Fright Night Minute, a daily podcast where we discuss the original 1985 horror movie, Fright Night, one minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Len. And welcome back on this Wednesday, actor and composer, Lito Velasco. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get back into the nipples. I mean, sorry. (laughs) Everybody get your shirts off. We're going to get comfortable here. Uh, This is Minute 73 of Fright Night. It begins with Jerry getting comfortable and ends with Amy getting even more comfortable. getting shirtless okay so uh yes so shirtless jerry settles down on the rug next to amy and uh yeah just like we did last time this is actually gives me a good good way to detour into uh uh something you did uh jerry looks really really comfortable in his own skin and you (laughs) inhabited jerry dandridge's uh skin for uh, uh, that doesn't sound right it's like buffalo bill stuff but uh (laughs) You became Jerry Dandridge for uh, a day, uh, so uh, you got to tell us all about it. Yes, I. I should say uh, we should say I tried to inhabit Jerry's skin. <laughs> it's it's always very um, intimidating as an actor in many ways when you are asked to. Um, become a character that is so iconic, and I've I've done it quite a few times actually. I've been asked to do that uh, with makeup and out of makeup and voiceovers and things like that, and um, it was an incredible, incredible experience. We did it at Monster Palooza in uh, Pasadena this past spring, and the way that that actually happened, it's kind of weird. The the makeup artist who spearheaded it, her name is Miranda Riddle. She does really great stuff. And she has become a really, really good friend over the years. And um, I met her at, I think, I'm actually, I know exactly where I met her. I met her after an evening of performing at Warner Brothers as Robert Englund's Freddy Krueger, oh which God. I... Yeah, I did that in 2017. They have an event uh, in the fall called Horror Made Here because they wanted to do something similar to Universal's Halloween Horror Nights, but they did something I think that's even more unique and more um, interesting in many ways. And the first year I played Robert England's Freddy Krueger, which was, again, very intimidating, but also a lifelong dream come true. And then last year I appeared as Mark Hamill's Joker. And when I met Miranda, it was at a party at um, a famous makeup artist's house, my makeup artist, David, for Warner Brothers, who's one of my best friends. He said, when we're done, let's wrap, let's go to this party. And I went in full Freddy Krueger makeup because it was a Halloween party. Hmm. And I stayed in character and, you know, I kind of did Freddy shtick with everybody. And Miranda was there and she was just kind of like staring at me with these like googly pop eyes like and I like after a while I kind of was like what what's wrong and she's like no you're just you're you like I you have to be convinced and then I I kind of saw her you know off and on a few times at various events out of makeup and when she finally saw me out of makeup she was like kind of staring at me and I looked at her again and I was like 
is there something on my nose? And she's like, no, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking. And she like picked up my hand and looked at it and she's like, huh, you know, and I was like, okay. But I mean, that kind of happens in that crowd anyway, like makeup artists, you know, like they'll look at you and think, hmm, you have a good face for, and so I found out later, she's like, you know, I've been dying to ask you this and I want to know how you feel. Cause I've kind of subtly brought it up here and there. It seems that you're a big fan. I really want to turn you into Jerry Dandridge because of your eyes and your hair and your fingers. And I was like, oh my God, of course, I would love to do that. I'm so honored. So she spearheaded the project. Um, David collaborated with her and they had another makeup artist on the project that assisted them. And I mean, it was just like the Freddie Giger when I played Joker. It was really something that you know, you can prep yourself for and you can do all the research, but you can't really do as much for yourself beforehand as you can once you get into that makeup. Like the makeup does so much of it for you. All I could do is just watch the movie over and over, look at his body language, like listen to his cadences, like, and I'd seen the movie so many times, but you know, the week beforehand, I like really studied the film and mm-hmm. it was, it was amazing. I mean, it, it always feels a little silly when, you know, you're sitting there and there's three people working on you and you're like sipping a latte in between what they're doing. And I know that, you know, Chris actually helped apply his own makeup when they transformed him, but I, I, I don't do a lot of special effects makeup. I can do a few things, but I was like this is important even though I could help I really just want you guys to to do what you want it to be I want your vision to be as beautiful as as it can be I'm just putting myself in your hand and it was amazing it was a wonderful experience I got to talk to Chris and Tom um, in full makeup um, hmm. and that was you know one of those moments that it's one of those pinch yourself moments like as a kid if I went back in time and told myself guess what you know you love this film that you just saw in the theater, you know, in 30 years, you're going to be wearing that makeup. You know, my young self would probably kick my old self in the nuts. (laughs) You know, how dare you play that prank on me? You know, but it's just when it's happening, you're like, oh my God, oh my God, this is actually happening. Oh my God, this is actually. So again, a a complete and total thrill. I, I only hope that, you know, what I brought to it did justice to the character because the makeup artist's completely brought justice to Jerry. They brought him to life in every way. David worked really hard in sourcing a lot of the costume pieces. Uh, he and Miranda found a jacket that was almost an exact replica. It really, really looks exactly like, like it's, the, it's, it's the one he wears when he's chasing evil Ed. Yeah, yeah. They found, uh, yeah. They, they found it at a place in Hollywood, I, I think Western props or costumes. I, I'm not sure, but they found that she made the scarf, you know, David, uh, recreated the Dracula crest ring that Jerry wears, which is actually, if I'm not, mis- if I'm not mistaken, David m- might be able to correct me on this, but I believe that's the same crest that Bella Lugosi wore on his ring. Oh, you just blew this thing wide open. Yeah, man. Us. Even Chris Sarandon has no idea what's going on with that ring. From the, maybe the first week of this show, we've been trying to figure out what the hell that ring was. Yeah, I think that, it's the same sure. crest. Wow. Wow, now now I have to Google goggle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and just take a look at that ring and compare it because uh, yeah, I've we've been thinking is that Jerry's family crest? You know, what is this? You know, again, how does this uh, look into his character at all? And yeah, just asking Chris Durant, and he was just like, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, go, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. I mean, it, it's just they, they went to great lengths. They take, you know, these these artists, uh, they, they're, they're artists, which makes them, you know, perfectionists in many ways. But they're also huge, huge fans like I am. So they, you know, when they do something like this, where they're, whether it's Joker or Freddie or, you know, um, Jason or Jerry Dandridge or Bella Lugosi or, you know, David's done a Boris Karloff Frankenstein on his father, um, who is Tom. Woodruff of Amalgamated Dynamics, uh, who did the Alien and Predator films. You know, when they do these things, they they don't spare any details. They don't spare any expenses. And actually, I was honored when we wrapped. Um, Miranda and David gave me the tip of the finger that I wore the ring on and the ring itself. And I actually have that in a glass case in my office. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I'm never parting with that. Like I, I always have that. And it's actually sitting on top of the scarf, which Miranda actually made herself. So, <laughs> oh, so that stuff doesn't like melt or anything. You have to keep that preserved. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually, he was able to make it out of uh, hard plastic, I believe on an oh, okay. actual ring. So it's, it's not, I mean, if it could burn, but, I mean, if anything happens to my office, that's one of the things I'm grabbing. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, what's this gig like? I, I, I'm, I'm re- really curious. Like, so you're, you're told to go to Monster Palooza. You, you sit like three hours in a chair. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you, what, what is the job? What do you do afterwards? Do you pose for pictures? Do you go scare people? Yeah. So, uh, really, Monster Palooza at, at every Monster Palooza and Son of Monster Palooza, they always have makeup demos, and the uh. company. We were doing a makeup demo for was European Body Arts, which does some incredible stuff. I, David uses their product a lot, and he used it when he turned me into Freddie and when they did Jerry. And basically, you just sit up on an elevated platform. There's a, there's actually a video I think of it on my YouTube page. Yeah. Um, and uh, you just sit up on the platform. They transform you. People come by and film, and they take pictures and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then afterwards, you basically wander the con floor. You you know if people have requests for you to say something in character in a video to like people say, Hey, can you, you know, say something to my kid who's at home who wanted to come, but you know, fuck that. I left him at home. So, <laughs> or, you know, can you wish my wife a happy birthday? Or, you know, there's like, I ran into an actress friend of mine named Sarah. Uh, we were actually going to dinner and I usually, once the makeup is on, I usually leave it on until we go to bed that night after being at the bar. So it's usually on until like two or 3 AM. Cause I'm like, look, it took three hours and it's beautiful. I'm not taking it off. Right. So I went to dinner with it on and I ran into a friend of mine, Sarah. And when she saw me, Sarah French, she just like flipped out. She was like, oh, my God, Jerry, I love Fright Night. Like, <laughs> so it's it's one of those things that's it's enormous. Like, I don't I don't want to make it sound like a bigger deal than it is, but to someone who's a fan, it's an enormous responsibility, but it's also such a huge, like giddy thrill when you see people who are lifelong fans react that way. It's like, I do a lot of cosplay when I cosplay as Spider-Man, like to see kids eyes like pop out of their skull and they go Spidey, you know, it's like that with adults. Like you see these people that, you know, who are lifelong fans and they just turn into like seven year olds. And that's, (laughs) that's one of the reasons why I do it. I just love making people smile like that. Hmm. 
Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, I, I saw you featured in Dread Central, and uh, your video is posted on there. And uh, there was actually a commenter on there that's who must have seen you, at, you know, at Monster Palooza, and said that you nailed the character with your voice and your acting skills. Now, we've had Chris Sarandon on the show, but what would Jerry say if he was guesting on this podcast? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> wow! So you're putting me on the spot. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> let me let me think on that, and I'll give you something at the end of the podcast. I promise. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna write a note down. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. If we could have Jerry sign off with us, that'd be awesome. And look, man, I, because I like you already. If you fuck it up, I will just edit it out and put an actual line from Jerry in, and we'll pretend like it's you. Whoa, he's just like Chris Sarandon. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> And, I mean, just to kind of close off this this part of the conversation, I mean, is there another character that you're like, oh, no, now that's one I really, if, if I'm doing this again, I, I really would love it to be this character. Like, is there a dream character you'd love to be made up as? There's actually three that I, that, that I would love to do, and I've already been discussing with David. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll do two of their voices, and I'll let you figure out who they are. Okay, so one of them is Excelsior, everybody. That's uh, Stanley. Yeah. Great. Yeah. All right, not said, kids. So uh, <laughs> I, I want to do Stan, and then I also want to do. We have such sights to show you. Uh, I am so terrible with uh, lines for movies. With you movies. opened the box. We oh. came. Pinhead. Yes, I would love to do Pinhead. I would absolutely nice. love that. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, when you said you were going to say a line from it, I was like, well, it's not going to be Michael Myers. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be Jason. Well, of course, they were masks. Well, who's the third? Fun. Who's the third? You said three, uh, right? The third is a project that's not really makeup. It's costume, and it's um, something that I'm working on. I'm trying to keep it under wraps. But sure. it'll, sure. uh, it will be announced within the next month because it is happening. So, cool. so it'll definitely have already happened by the time this podcast comes out. Right. So. Oh, yes, yes. Very true. <laughs> I, 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 Yes. Actually, I can say it then. It's it's Michael Keaton's Batman from 1989's Batman. Oh, awesome. We're sourcing the parts from actual screen-used uh, costume parts. So it's going to be an exact replica of his costume. Yeah, and I got to say, I have a five-year-old little girl who idolizes Spider-Man. So, yeah, I had a little deep intake of breath when you said you dressed up like Spider-Man, too, because, uh, yeah, she'd probably be one of the... I mean, I'd probably be... I, you know, I see Spider-Man. I'd probably be giddy as well, so... <laughs> Back to the movie. Um, this scene, the, we're, we're actually at, a, at a, a section of the podcast which I like to call Robin Reads. Uh, this scene all plays out very differently in an earlier draft of the script. And, you know, Chris Sarandon had played a big part in, uh, you know, changing his character, giving him, you know, things like the, the fruit bat thing and, the, mm -hmm. uh, and of course, you know, Amy's picture. Uh, but um, let me read to you from uh, earlier draft of Tom Holland's script. And, uh, like, for instance, like, um, you know, we talked about this earlier uh, during the club scenes. In the club, like, Jerry is more mocking and, like, humps on Amy like an asshole instead of simply just kissing Amy silently <laughs> to, to piss off Charlie. Um, it's, so it's like Jerry really uh, the, the thing I think that Chris might have played a part in changing is Jerry just playing more powerful in his influence without any words uh, so let me just read to you from this script here <clears throat> Amy says where am I and Jerry says where you wanted to be in my bedroom and uh, wow <laughs> and, uh, and Amy says liar where's Charlie and Jerry says you don't really care <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, he so he hits play on the tape deck, and it says funk rock, hot and driving, snakes out of the speakers. He turns back to her, holding out his hand. She looks away, then glances up, only to find herself trapped in his gaze. He starts to weave his way across the floor toward her, every move a suggestion, an invitation, all of it somehow hypnotic. She stares at him, fighting to break free. Amy, liar, I love him. It doesn't phase him. He just keeps moving to the beat. Slowly, oh so slowly, coming closer and closer to where she sits on the floor. He's his vote his voice stroking her as he comes. Well that's not right written nicely. Uh so Jerry says <clears throat> Am I lying, Amy? And he stops. He stops above her, leaning down. His voice, a husky post-coital whisper. Am I? And she's gone. His, <laughs> his eyes drawing her in and swallowing her up, drowning her in their faint red glow. He holds out his hand to her. She slowly takes it and he raises her up into his arms, moving in place to the music with her, smiling down as she stares at him blindly. He gently pulls her head down on his shoulder, exposing her tender young neck. He then slowly bends down, and that's when he bites her. But it's just this, like, i just picturing, like, Jerry Dandridge just kind of, like, doing a shimmy across the floor to mm-hmm. sort of, like, uh, you know, hypnotic dance. I, I, I'm sure Chris ran and looked at it and was like, all right, we've got to change this. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the telling her, like, you don't care about Charlie, you know. And yeah. I like the fact that Jerry just kind of approaches her and doesn't even talk at all. You know, yeah, he doesn't have eyes. to say anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the wonderful nature of filmmaking. I've always thought that you can, you know, go in and you can say, uh, well, I mean, depending on the status of your, you know, your power status on the production and in Hollywood, mm-hmm. you can kindly say, oh, excuse me, I have a note. Or you can say, you know, this doesn't work, you know, I mean, and that's, it's so wonderful that Chris brought that to it because God, the scene is so powerful that way. It's yeah. so powerful as it is on film to see what's written. It, it just, you know, there's something about the character that makes you loathe, but also love him. And to lose that with that scene written as it is, it would have really hurt the film, I think. Yeah. So, so in the film itself, um, Amy looks at him questioningly, like curious, and Jerry leans in to kiss her, then moves his way down her neck. Amy gasps, and Jerry lifts his head. Now, I used to think that Jerry's hands went south in that part. <laughs> I was like, what's, what's making her gasp? But it's it's because he's putting her his, his mouth towards her neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you know, yep. the dense one on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, what's he doing? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Go easy, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Amy uh, is looking fearful. She starts to say something, but I love it. Jerry just silently like, raises his hand to stop her. Just like, mm-hmm. no, 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 don't. Uh, and again, we've talked a lot about Amy in that trance, but like, she just looks fully coherent here, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's so much mystery around the vampire's thrall. That's what I guess we keep kind of coming back to with this seduction. And then the seduction of, of Ed as well. Like, like how much will does Jerry, or does Amy have here? How much will does Ed, did Ed have in the alley? You know, how much of a choice do they have here? I, I, I don't know if it's will. I don't know that he's changing their will. I think that he is, it's more like the devil. It's temptation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know that he's controlling your will. I think he's more offering them something that they are falling in love with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think that's the power of seduction in general. But when you add the layer of 
you know, what they know about, you know, the, the mystique and the lore and the legend of vampires, there is yeah. something completely seductive about it. And that's why it's, I think that's why it's endured as such a compelling story. And then of course, I mean, like just let's, you know, be real about this, just the plain, you know, material evidence of the fact that look at Chris Sarandon in that scene. I mean, he's a, he's a damn good looking guy in that era. I mean, he's still a damn good looking guy, but I mean, like if, if you're, if you're the girl in the scene in that position, I mean, really, you know, you're not going to maybe put up as much of a fight as you thought you would if you were already attracted. Cause she says already in the film, like, Oh, he's so neat. And she's looking at him, you know, the way that she is, you know, that's already there. So even though she feels like, Oh, Charlie, you know, she wants this to begin with. You know, I, I, I'm trying to be real careful about how I phrase it because I don't want to offend anyone. Yeah. Um, but but there is something there where she wants to give in. And, you know, if if we can put ourselves in her place, would we necessarily put up a huge fight? And that's what makes the next moment so beautiful that, you know, that pain on his face when he looks at her, he's I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm stealing your thunder. I'm jumping ahead. But like, no, please. He has such a pained look on his face. There's such hurt. And I've always wondered to myself, like, is that genuine or is he just manipulating her? And for myself, I, I have to think that it's genuine. I have to think that he's thinking, I finally got this love that I lost at some point back, or if she's the one that turned him or someone that meant so much to him, she's back. And look at her. She's terrified of me. What have I truly become? I knew this would happen. See, look at me. You know, I think all those things are going through his head and it's again no words all in his eyes all in yeah. his expression all in her face that's all you need it's it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful yeah it's it it, it is wonderful and and again it's, I, I almost think like uh like a vampire almost throws off a bit of pheromones like especially when he's walking through the club earlier and there's girls kind of like eyeing him and pawing at him as he walks by and it's mm-hmm. almost like you know they're just instantly attracted no matter who's around them they're just turning right around and touching him as he walks by so i almost think there's something you know yeah like, animalistic yeah yeah so Again, it's I, I you know it's it is definitely a, a, like a tricky subject uh, talking about consent, but it, it, um, to, to me it's like I, I almost think like okay, so if if she's like you know this movie does start with her being a virgin and getting ready for sex and getting turned down and being really upset about it, um, and her boyfriend's not paying attention to her, and so like because he's like, afraid of the dude that she's gonna run to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so there, there, obviously there must be something in her like, yeah, I, 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 I really, you know, it's the, it's the 80s. Everybody wants to lose their virginity in movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so, but it is funny how, like, at the end of the movie, they don't really, you know, Charlie and Amy don't really have a conversation about this. It, it, I think that Charlie, it, it's, this is definitely all Jerry's fault. <laughs> Where I think, you know, perhaps, you know, Amy, you know, Amy doesn't return for the sequel. <laughs> so there might have been a conversation conversation later like you know actually you know i really wanted jerry at that time right you know i was a little and typically <laughs> I, i'll speak for myself but young men tend to be a lot more jealous than older men oh yeah so i don't care if a vampire took you away it's still kind of your fault too is where we're at <laughs> kick her to the curb 
so yeah, he does. He does. He looks at her kind of like pityingly, emotionally, uh, and I, I love how he just taps, taps the taps her lips and her chin with his finger mm-hmm. and just stares emotionally at her. And uh, and I love it because it's like he's being tender and. And so this makes me think that Amy is coherent because he's being so gentle with her that she decides to reach behind her and unclasp her dress. Yep. So. She gives in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She lets go of that resistance. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, and uh, maybe maybe a part of falling under a trance is kind of a letting go and, uh, you know, having the choice of doing it, so... That's interesting. Anyway, uh, I think uh, we we did enough for this minute. We still have uh, one more minute of this uh, to talk to you about, Leto. But um, did you want to uh, let folks know where they can find you if they're enjoying our conversations with you and want to get to know you further? Well, hopefully they are enjoying. Uh, and if they're not, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. But if you are enjoying <laughs> and you want to see more or you know, know more, you can go to Instagram. You can follow Leto Velasco 23 You can go to YouTube. YouTube and Twitter and search for Hollywood Leto. You can go to Facebook and find my artist public page. It's just Leto Velasco. And that's about it, I think. Well, thank you very much for being with us here today. Thank you. We'll be back one more day tomorrow. Um, and uh, for us, uh, you will put a stake in this one. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Fright Night Min. Send your feedback to Fright Night Minute at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Robin. I'm Nipples McGee. <laughs> Signing off for Fright Night. <laughs> Yay! Thanks for listening. <laughs> That's that is good. <laughs> He's a vampire. A what? <laughs> You're so cool.